Um, so on your paper, you have uh, the post quiz. We did a pre quiz, um, uh, pre quiz, and you. Ha oh, does anybody else need a handout? Anybody else need a handout? Um, I, they were. They were. Yeah. Yeah. It's all good. Um, so we did a pre-quiz and asked you all to draw the layout of the tabernacle from above. Uh, we'll ask you to do the same thing today. You will not be graded. This does not go on your permanent record. It goes on your eternal record. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, so try to do an above diagram uh, of the tabernacle and court, including where the Ark of the Covenant is, the table of showbread, the lampstand, the veil, the walls and entrances, the bronze altar, the, bron uh, the altar of incense, the brazen laver, three named areas, uh, which would be the you know the court, the holy place, and holy of holies. And then you get a bonus extra credit. You get kingdom bucks if you add north, south, east, and west uh, to to said uh, to said uh, diagram on your paper. No, no stress if you can't do it. If you haven't been in here, or didn't or didn't walk through this journey with us. No, no worries. Um, we're not gonna make you pass it to people to the right for grading or anything like that. So, um, or to the left. So, just take a take a moment. See if you can uh, see if you can draw those those things out while I clean up the board. Am I supposed to use this to clean the board? And, uh, you know, I didn't say it, but you, it can be a group activity if you need uh, if you need help from a, uh, a neighbor, a spouse, a person, a pastor uh, is able to help. Uh, give you another minute or so, and then I'll start up on the board here. There's your hint. <laughs> okay. Are we ready to do it as a group? You're drawing drawing pomegranates, drawing drawing rings and horns and uh, crowns. So if you're following along in the in the story, so this is we'll, we'll call this the, the the what the what's the out outside that. The court, the outer court, okay. And where would the uh, the door or entrance to the outer court be? Let's we'll say over here, okay. And we won't do we won't do cubits or specifics, but the outer court, okay. What else do we got? What do we have in the outer court? I'm sorry. And uh, so starting from this way, coming this way. So we've got a brazen altar. What's the shape? Square. <laughs> brazen altar. Okay. What comes next if we continue that direction? The brazen labor. Good job. Which is a circle. Okay. Then what's next? The door to the tabernacle. Okay. And what shape is the tabernacle? 
A rectangle. Good job. All right. So what? Like, where's the door? The entrance to the tabernacle? Right after the labor. Just right after the labor. Okay. What else? What am I drawing next? The veil, which is. Which way does it go? This way or this way? Up and down. Okay. Whereabouts? About two thirds. Good job. About two thirds. There's the veil. Okay. What goes in the? What's this area called? The holy place. Okay. Good job. And what? Um, I probably shouldn't have put that there. Um, I'll put it in the middle. Okay. What goes in the holy place? Table of showbread. Where does it go? On the top. Good job. And what's on the table of showbread? Showbread. <laughs> Can you get? No, the candlestick is not. But thank you for playing. Um, you get a nice. You get a nice parting gift. Anybody remember what sits on the? Yeah. No, no. That's on top of something. The what? A coffee shop. No. What? So the table of showbread holds what? The bread. How was the bread stacked? Six and six, right? So two stacks of showbread, probably round. Stacked six high. Okay. What else is in the holy place? The lampstand. And so it was God in the holy place with the lampstand. <laughs> Somebody got that. Okay, thank you. All right, where does the lampstand go? At the bottom. What's it look like generally? Kind of like a candelabra. Okay. So a, a lampstand. Okay. What what else is in the holy place? Anything? The altar of incense. We're going to put it here because that's the only place left to go. The altar of incense. Okay, what else we got? The holy of holies. Okay. What goes in the holy of holies? Okay. Where's the ark go? Kind of in the middle, right? So it's kind of like so. And on top of the ark is the mercy seat with the... the it wasn't. I know it wasn't. You don't. You don't have. You get extra credit for that. Okay. What else? What else are we missing here? That um, veil, the walls, entrances. I feel like. Okay. The directions. Does anybody know? We didn't actually cover this in the messages. It's in a different part of scripture relative to the camps and where the camps and which direction the camps were. Uh, but does anybody know which direction? Is this north in this picture? Yes. yes. It is? Yes. Okay. So what's that make this? East. 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 Okay, good job. <laughs> and then south and west. This actually points to uh, a biblical pattern, again, that we didn't talk about. Biblical patterns in Scripture generally move from east to west. Good movement is east to west generally. It's a type. It's a picture. Movement from west to east is, God, is uh, Satan's counter to God's movement. That's just kind of a principle. Uh, but but this is a uh, good job. You guys did a, did a wonderful job. Hopefully your paper looks something like that, whether it was on your own or you drew it as we were talking. Either way. All right. So that's our, that's our uh, post-test or our post-quiz. Um, let's, uh, let's finish this message 
or this series with a look at the uh, anointing and the glory. The anointing and the glory. So there's our uh, there's our if you want to if you you know it's on the slide deck on the online if you want to want to grab it. So this we're going to do the second narrative first. And you say, Mitch, why in the world are you doing the second narrative first? It'll make sense in just a second because there's a series of eight steps that would be gone through to get the Aaron and his sons from being normal people to being ministers. Okay, and there were eight steps. The second narrative in Scripture actually happens in Exodus 29, the first narrative being in Exodus 28. The second narrative gives the first five steps. So we're going to do them in order for us practically, not necessarily in order in which they appear in Scripture. So you don't have, I think, a fill-in-the-blank yet. I'm just pointing out that we're going to cover the first five in the second narrative, and then we'll cover the last three in the in the first narrative that will cover the second half of, of, of the message. Okay, so the process. First was a sacrifice. First was a sacrifice. If you So I'd ask you to keep one hand uh, in Exodus 29, uh, starting at the beginning of Exodus 29. Uh, that's the narrative. I didn't read over it, but I'm going to reference it, and then we're going to support it with Scripture. So in Exodus 29, verse 1, and this thi- this is the thing that thou shalt do unto them to hallow them, to minister unto me in the priest's office. This is the process that you're going to go through to get people from not serving the Lord to serving the Lord, ministering unto the Lord. Take one young bullock and two rams without blemish, blemish, and unleavened bread and cakes, unleavened tempered with oil, etc. Right? But the first step is there has to be a sacrifice. There has to be a sacrifice. Notice in Hebrews four, uh, or I'm sorry, ten four and ten nineteen, which is on your on your page. I, I truncated some of the references on your page to get them to fit. Uh, the 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 farther scripture, more more complete reference will be on the screen. Certainly, a more most complete reference is in is in your Bible. But in Hebrews ten four, it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. You say, Mitch, I thought that was the whole point of the lesson. I thought that was the whole point of the tabernacle was a sacrifice and the application of blood. It was. It was a temporary thing. It was a temporary solution to a very eternal problem. Okay? And that temporary solution would get them to the point of the cross, would get the Old Testament believer to the point where they could understand that verse 19 would need of Hebrews 10 needed to come into play, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. See, the blood of bulls, the blood of goats, the sacrifice that it was required for the minister to minister had to come in the form of Jesus. Had to come in the form of Jesus. So the first thing that we see here in the process from person to priest from man to minister is the sacrifice. Now, in the Old Testament, they had one option, or they had options of sacrificing animals. In the New Testament, I really am thankful that we don't have to kill things. I really am thankful that my that I that I don't have to take a, a, a live uh, some livestock to a tabernacle to a place to a temple to 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 die for t- temporary covering of my sins. The lamb, the lamb of God took care of that for me. That is something he did. He did. It's not something we did, right? We don't we don't bring that sacrifice. We accept that sacrifice, right? 
The second is the word of God. So I actually started reading it in verse 2 of Exodus 29. And unleavened bread and cakes unleavened, tempered with oil, and wafers unleavened, anointed with oil, of wheat and flour thou shalt make them. And thou shalt put them into one basket and bring them basket, and uh, with the bullock and the two rams. So here's, here's the deal. The word of God, Jesus incarnate as the word, is unleavened bread. Leaven is a picture of sin, unleavened bread. So later today, we'll be partaking in the Lord's Supper. We will, we will consume a little piece of unleavened bread. There's no yeast in it. It won't leaven. It won't multiply in the bread, causing it to, be, uh, to, to, uh, to, to rise, right? Now, I like me some good leavened bread, right, just to eat. But we don't want that in our sacrifice, like we need a sinless sacrifice. But notice also, well, so, so in, in, in John, actually several verses in John 6, but 33, 35, 48, and 51, Jesus clearly calls himself the bread of life. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. And Jesus said, to, said unto them, I am the bread of life. I am that bread of life. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. I jumped a little bit, but that is what he says. Like, there's no doubt. He doubled down. He triples down. He quadruples down on the fact that he is the bread of life, unleavened, without sin. Notice, though, it's not just unleavened bread. It's unleavened bread that's what? Tempered with oil. Oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. In, in Matthew 3, 16, we see, and when Jesus, uh, and Jesus, when he was baptized, went straight up, or went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him, lighting upon him. So it's not just unleavened bread. It's unleavened bread that's tempered, uh, it's added with oil. And even in Luke 4, and Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. You can no longer separate the two. You can no longer separate at the point at which Jesus gets baptized, the Holy Spirit comes upon him. There's no point from that point forward where the Holy Spirit is separated from him except arguably at the sacrifice. There's a separation between God the Father and God the Son, but arguably, uh, and we can, that's, a, that's an nth degree kind of d doctrinal debate which we don't want to get into and don't really have time and it's not edifying. But the point here is, the unleavened bread is tempered with oil. The unleavened bread is tempered with oil. So even the, the first step was the sacrifice of Jesus. It wasn't the work of the minister. Now we see in the Old Testament, they had to do it because it's a type, it's a picture. But they didn't do it. They, I mean, they sacrificed, but for us, we didn't sacrifice Jesus. He, that was, he was a willing sacrifice. We also see this word of God, this unleavened bread, the, the, again, a work of, of the Lord. The third, the third is you had to be washed by the word and thou shalt wash them with water. Uh, verse um, verse four in, in Exodus 29. And Aaron and his sons, shall, uh, thou shalt bring unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and shalt wash them with water. Again, it's a picture of salvation, a picture washed by the water of the word. Uh, this passage in Ezekiel is, is beautiful. We're going to touch on it here and we're going to revisit it in our next point. Then washed I thee with water, God says of the nation of Israel. Yea, I thoroughly washed away thy blood from thee. 
and I anointed thee with oil. This is something God does in the life of the believer. Now, we need to get in the word to allow us to, to allow it to wash away the, the filth and grime of the world, okay? There is a contributing component that we bring to it. That contributing p- component is a willingness to allow God to work, right? But even in Ephesians 5, 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. So this is a work of God. Hebrews 10, 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Again, this is not a, like you should, you should bathe, but this is not a verse that says you should take a bath. This is a verse that's talking about you being washed with the pure water of the word. Okay, so the first three steps, yes, there is a willing, willingness on the part of the believer there is an accepting of the sacrifice. There is an acknowledging and spending time in the word. There is allowing it to be washed, to be washed by the water of that word. But these are, these are efforts that are ultimately accomplished by our Lord. And then they're clothed with new garments. Pick it up in verse, uh, verse 5 in Exodus 29. And thou shalt take the garments and put upon Aaron uh, the coat and the robe of the ephod, and the ephod, and the breastplate, and gird him and with the curious girdle of the ephod. Thou shalt put upon the, the mitre upon his head, and put the holy crown upon the mitre, and thou shalt take... Oh, went a little too far. So all of the things that we looked at, if you want to go back and look at it, it was the last time I taught, a couple, three weeks ago, on the priestly garments. You can go look at that. But this is that continuing passage in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 16. It started up, then I washed thee with water. Yea, I thoroughly washed away thy blood from thee and anointed thee with oil. I clothed thee with broidered work. I also I clothed thee also with broidered work and shod thee with badger's skin. I girded thee about with fine linen and I covered thee with silk. I decked thee also with ornaments. I put bracelets upon thine hands and chain upon thy neck on thy neck and I put a, a jewel on thy forehead and earrings in thine ears and a beautiful crown upon thine head thou wast decked with gold and silver and raiment was a fine limit uh, fine linen and silk embroidered work God did that in your life God did that in the nation of Israel now is there a willingness on the believer to stand there and accept that of course like the believer could say no thanks I'm gonna go wallow in my nice new garments in the mud right like the prodigal, if you will. But the work, the clothing, the, the clothing is a verb, right? The clothing, you guys tracking me? Not the clothing, but the putting upon of clothes was done by the Lord. It was done by the Lord. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you say, well, Mitch, that sounds a lot like I've got to do it. Yeah, you do it by your willingness to allow the Lord to be in your life. Okay, I don't have to do a lot. And, and you may hear a theme here. And I'm just, I mean, spoiler alert, God does this work. You have to be a willing vessel. You have to be a willing vessel. But if you're trying too hard to earn some sort of place in ministry, uh, with all due respect, you're doing it wrong. Okay, I love the attitude, the willingness, but the Lord does this preparation. Now, you need, you need to be willing. You need to be available. You need to be, as, as some of my, my elders who've taught me said, you need to be fat, flexible, available, and teachable. 
okay? You need to be flexible, available, and teachable. For the Lord to do this work, to, to, to realize for the work to be manifest in the, light of, in the sight of others. Even in Revelation 9, 19.8, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen. We've looked at this verse a couple of times. Clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. The fine, don't, don't just like read over it and say, oh, that's kind of a nice point. The fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Don't forget, your righteousness is as filthy rags. That's what you bring to the table. The Lord brings the fine linen of righteousness and puts it on you. Like, I didn't, like, I literally took a shower today. Oh, and we, so I, we've, we have hard, hard water, right? That builds up. Is that what calcium and stuff that builds up hard water? So I, I did something and I swapped out the shower head. I, you know, because I've been trying to clean it with that CLR stuff and it's just, it didn't seem to be working. So I swapped out the shower head. Michelle's like, it knocked me over this morning. There was so much water pressure. <laughs> like, so like we, individually, we took showers this morning because it was appropriate to be clean. And we put on our clothes because it was appropriate to, to be clothed. But when you take that to a spiritual realm, the best I can do is stand there before the Lord and allow him to wash me Amen. with the best kind of water pressure there is, right? And he put on the garments on me. The best I can do is allow him to, the, the best I can bring to the table is to allow him to do that in my life. That's the most work I can do. And then, then they were anointed in verse uh, seven, and thou shalt take the anointing oil. And honestly, there's a quick little study that I would encourage you to do to look at regarding the anointing oil. It's a, it's a, it's a mixture of really cool spices. I just, I'm just gonna have to drop it there. I actually considered doing a whole other class on it, but it just, it seemed a little bit down in the weeds. So, so I would encourage you to take a look, uh, but thou shalt take the anointing oil and pour it upon his head and anoint him, anoint him. In, in 2 Corinthians 121, now he which, is, which establisheth us with you in Christ and anointed us and hath anointed us is God. Like, I don't get the right to anoint you. That's not my job. As a pastor, as your friend, as your brother in Christ, you don't get the, as a discipler, discipling somebody, you know, when Murphy gets with Leah, like when Christina sits down and starts sharing the word of God with Leah at a, at a, at a deeper level, when you, I, I can, I can literally still remember that the times, not the detail, but the times of getting together with my youth pastor as he, as he discipled me. Right. I mean, there were still very seminal moments in my brain where I remember that process. And that's super, super important. But ultimately, God is the one that does this work. He, is, he establishes us in Christ, and he has anointed us. He is the one that takes the oil and applies it to our life and sets us apart for a work and says, Mitch Dobson is going to do something for me. Not because Mitch Dobson has anything of himself. For goodness sake, everything up to this point has been the Lord. Like, I have nothing to glory of. Nothing. First John two twenty seven, but the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, 
and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things. So picture of the Holy Spirit. And is truth, and is no lie. And even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. That is how you are anointed. The Holy Spirit comes upon you, indwells you, and sets in you a purpose. Teaches you the word of God so that you can do something with it. Okay? Sometimes that something is simply just giving praise and glory to the Lord. Sometimes that thing is passing it on through discipleship or passing it on through other teaching ministries or evangelism ministries. All those things are good. But those are outpourings of the anointing. They are not the anointing. This is, this is where a lot of cults really get weird on this concept of anointing. They, they think God has come upon them like alone, like God's anointed me with a special word or God's anointed me with a special purpose. And it's kind of hard to fight against that. Well, if you think God's, you know, I mean, if God's anointed you, so people are like, that must be true. Well, I'm here to say, if you're saved this morning, God has anointed you. Every one of you that's saved. He's, he, he's, he's sacrificed. He, wa he washed. He provided sustenance in the word, or the bread. Like he clothed you and now he's anointed you. Like he's completely prepared you. So that was the first five steps. The first five steps. So now we need to jump to the second narrative or the first narrative, which is the second point. Are you guys tracking with me on that? Why I did this? Okay, because in Exodus 28, so if you turn over, I think I put him on this on the on the screen, but in Exodus 28 and verse 41, toward the end of the um, of the passage of 28, so it's before 29, but I again, but notice, and thou shalt put upon them uh, put the, put a, put them upon Aaron thy brother, close, and his sons with him, and shall anoint them, and consecrate them, and sanctify them, that they may minister unto me the priest's office. So the same context that they may minister unto me, but we just saw the sacrifice word, wash, clothe, anoint. Here we're seeing some overlap. We're seeing the clothe, anoint, consecrate, sanctify, and then the service that follows. Are you guys tracking? I, this is the hardest thing that I had to do in this study was because the second half of it was covered first. The first half of it was covered second. Okay? So I don't know. Do you have blanks for this part? Maybe? Yes? I already have it on there. Okay. But I don't have the blanks in the actual word, things as we go. All right. So... In Exodus 28, thou shalt consecrate them. So we've already, we've got up to that point where we anoint them, right? We put clothes on them, we've anointed them, we talked about that. And consecrate them. Look at, look at Hebrews 10 again, 19 through 20. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, we looked at that verse already, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say, whose flesh? His flesh. Not through anything that I've done. I, the, 
I bring I bring garbage to the table. We have this saying at work, garbage in, garbage out. When, so when they talk about data, I don't know if you've heard about it. Like if you have garbage in, you're gonna get garbage out. I literally bring garbage in to the relationship to the, with the Lord. Now, fortunately for the Lord, with my relationship with the Lord, he brings glory out uh, because he deals with my garbage. But that, but that's the most I can do. That's the most I can bring to the table with the Lord. And he has consecrated us. He has, he has given us purpose. He has said, this is what I want you to do. That's a, he, he's identified. That's all consecration is. People make it some big fancy word. He has just looked at us and said, I'm going to work through you. He's consecrated us. He sanctified, sanctified them in the, in, with respect to Aaron. Moses is sanctifying them, but God sanctifies us. In John 17, verses 17 and 19, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Nowhere are you going to find you sanctifying yourself. Like, it's a work of the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 1, under the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified, set apart in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. And in verse, uh, ch- in chapter 6 and verse one, uh, 11, and such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified. We actually even see glimpses of this exact same pattern in the Old Testament or from the Old Testament in the New Testament. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. This, this process, you may have heard the process of sanctification. You may have heard that term. And I think I, I feel like I've addressed this once before in class. I apologize if it's redundant, but I just felt like, I mean, it's like the topic here. So I got to, I can't, I can't shy away from it. You don't sanctify yourself. The Lord sanctifies you, but just in the similar way that the Holy Spirit fills you, yet you're, and you're filled of the Holy Spirit and you can get in the way of that. You can put other things in the way that allow, that prohibit or restrict the Holy Spirit filling you, okay? You can do that with sanctification. He set you apart for a purpose. If you choose not to fulfill that purpose, are you sanctified? Yes and no. I don't know how else to say it. Like you are, you've been called, you've been sanctified by God, but you're not fulfilling it, right? You're not allowing the sanctification that the Lord has done to be manifest. So the process of sanctification by the believer is just to simply align themselves with what the Lord's called them to do, right? And so sometimes you'll hear pastors, you'll hear leaders in this church talk about the process of sanctification. What they technically mean is not that you're getting more holy, you're not getting more of God, you're not getting, but what you're doing is you're stopping the things that were pulling you away from that sanctification and you're aligning yourself to that which you've already been called to do, okay? And maybe it isn't the best terminology, but the sanctification has clearly already been done. It's evident in scripture that it's already been done. But the process of sanctification is saying, I am going to allow God to do that. Again, maybe not the best terminology, but I hope you understand it. Hope you get it. So all of that points to the last 
the last arrow is the service, the service itself. And even in Exodus 30, 30, I think it's just the reference on your page because I was trying to save. God actually repeats himself through, through Moses. And thou shalt anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. That was, I think it's the same words. The, almost the exact same words in Exodus twenty-eight forty-one that he repeats in thirty thirty. God doesn't waste space in his scripture. These are not parallel passages. He's doubling down on the message, on how important the message is. Exodus 29, verse 9, And the priest's office shall be theirs for a perpetual state. <clears throat> now, it's interesting because it's not perpetual right now. Like, it's not happening today, <clears throat> Right? Are Aaron and his sons ministering in the temple today? The answer is no, right? That's not physically happening today. There will come a time again where it will happen for a short season, getting into prophecy and, and end times. But again, another message for another day. But this is pointing to the eternal. It's pointing to the fact that the Lord himself will minister to us and also, we get to minister to him. I'm going to jump uh, Ephesians 3 for just a moment and go to uh, Revelation 7. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. You'll have the distinct opportunity, privilege, and honor to serve the Lord for all eternity. Like people talk about sitting on a cloud and playing harp. No, thank you. I'm going to get the Lord a drink. I'm going to get him. I'm going to make him a sandwich. I don't know. I'm being silly, but I know I'm going to serve him. Like, I don't even have to be good at playing harps. I just have to be good at serving. Revelation 22, 3, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the lamb shall be in it. And look at this. And his servants shall serve him. Like you'll have, you'll have this incredible opportunity to serve the Lord. Even though you might be doing it now, it's going to ratchet up to a whole other level. I mean, it's it's going to be... Now, it's not necessarily just serving him. He may send you on an errand. He may send you on a purpose. Like, I don't, I don't fully understand what's going to happen for all eternity, but I know that I get to serve him. Pro tip, as Sam would say, why don't you start practicing that now? Why don't you get used to to the serving him now, that will make the transition all that easier, right? Ephesians 3, because I skipped it in verse 7, wherefore, whereof I was, look at this, made a minister. How? According to the gift of grace, of, of the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. How do I serve? How am I made a minister? And he's not talking like, how am I made a minister? He's talking about how do I serve according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. You look, I'm going to I'm going to mess it up. If I minister to you, I am going to mess it up. The best thing I can do is get out of the way and try to allow the Lord to speak through me to you. Like and that and the best way to do that is to point people to scripture by the way, right? Because then it's not of you, right? That's, a, that's, that's something I actually kind of, I, I feel like I'm still getting my kind of my sea legs under me as a pastor 
on this is like I, tr I, I sometimes people just ask me for advice and ask me for counsel on, on light things and I don't necessarily use enough scripture to support it like I don't I don't if you're supposed to like get a different job I don't know if you're supposed to get a different job what I can tell what I can point to you is, is scriptural guidance and scriptural principles that's the best thing I can do right so it brings us to our building our build our first building lesson if you are saved you have been fully prepared to minister okay the requirement is salvation because God did all those things he sacrificed he was the word he washed you he clothed you, he anointed you, he consecrated you, and he sanctified you. Everything, did I miss one? Did I miss one? I don't feel like I did. Everything he did was to prepare you to minister to others here on this earth and to him and to him in eternity. Now, that doesn't mean you're fully prepared to minister in all aspects because you might need to learn your Bible. You might need some experience in X, Y, or Z but you're fully prepared to minister, okay? And so in the few minutes we have left, let's talk about the tabernacle being finished. In Exodus 40, so if, you're probably close if you want to turn over there. Exodus 40, 33, 34. Now remember, we're jumping around because of the way the narrative worked in Exodus. There was the design narrative and there was the build narrative. Right, So we have to jump around a little bit. It's not just that succinct. But in 33 and 34, we're toward the end of the book, uh, the book of Exodus in, in 33 and 34. And he reared up the court round about the tabernacle and the altar and set up the hanging of the court of the gate. So Moses finished the work. And then what happens? The work is finished. Very clear. The work is finished. Jesus finished the work, okay? The work is finished. Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Jesus finishes the work and then the glory can dwell in you through his sacrifice. We see that in Romans, Romans 18, 8, or, uh, 8, 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Paul is looking forward. And that's why we're in kind of a weird state. I'm redeemed, but I'm not redeemed. Like I still have corruptible on me. I still have flesh on me. So I'm redeemed and, and that nobody can take that away from me. But I'm not fully redeemed because I'm not transfer, uh, transformed into incorruptible. That's the weird, we're in this like, we're in this weird parenthetical in the church age, okay? It's very interesting. But rejoice in so much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. He will give us glimpses of his glory. These, these glimpses are things like the, the peace that passeth all understanding, the discernment that you have to share scripture with somebody, the remind the, the Holy Spirit bringing a verse to, to your remembrance that you weren't even prepared of when you share the gospel. I think I've shared this story 
many times, well, I feel like I've, sto- I've told this story many times, so forgive me if I've, if I've shared it, uh, you know, too much in here. On the, on the field in Bogota, Colombia, witnessing, as in a park, I could, I don't know that I could get you back to that place, but if somebody could get me in that park, I could take you to the very place I was standing, and a young lady walked by. Now, my interpreters were a young man and his wife. Uh, the lady is walking, and they were talking, I think, to each other or somebody else in the group, and I stopped her. The Holy Spirit just came on me to just stop her, to share the gospel, and so I grabbed them because, A, I don't speak Spanish enough to share the gospel, for darn sure. Second, it was kind of a weird, it was kind of a weird dynamic, if not, right? So the husband and wife come over, and we start sharing the gospel, and she had some sort of relationship with the Lord, but she had fallen away. And she actually referenced that she was kind of like the prodigal. That she was kind of like the prodigal. And I said, what was the first thing that happened when the prodigal came back to the father? And she said, he threw a party. And I said, no, that's not true. He ran and embraced him. And now that just popped into my head. Like literally popped, like I... I know the prodigal story, like I know, it, but she needed, I mean, and when I said that, she just broke and she just wept because she needed to know that God still loved her. And I can still see her face and I'm getting the hair on the back of my neck because it's not on the top of my head. The hair on the back of my <laughs> neck is standing up right now thinking about it because somebody might've said, yeah, a party, but what she needed to hear God spoke to me and said, no, no, no. It was the embrace. It was the running, the connection, the embrace. She needed to hear that. Now, like this is not some, like you're like, Mitch, that's not even a really great story. But for her, it was the story. Like it was the time, it was the thing she needed to hear. My point is allowing the Lord to speak through you. It's his work. That's where the glory sits. He, I don't, like, it wasn't because I had studied enough in advance of going to Bogota to make sure I knew all the finer points of every biblical par- parable and all the... Do- no, I mean, like, I needed to be prepared to share the gospel, and I practiced at doing so, and I, I countered people. I, we we, we kind of debated, and we, we ran some, some trappings, so to speak, so that we were prepared for what we might run into. But in that moment, that was the Holy Spirit. It was just the Holy Spirit. Just, just laid that on my heart. That's how the peace, the discernment, the listening to, like all of that is the glory that's, that's the closest we're going to get to the glory here on earth. It's the closest that we'll get to seeing the glory here on earth. But one of these days, the heavens will open up and we're going to get to go with him and we're going to get to be with him in heaven. Um, Sorry, I jumped ahead. Building lesson number two, the last building lesson of our series. The redemption work is finished in us, but the ministry still continues. The redemption work is finished in us, but he's left us here to minister, and yet he's still not fully redeemed us. I don't even know how to say it right. The redemption work is finished in us, but the ministry still continues. When we get to heaven, Revelation 21 uh, and, and, and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. I don't know if you see that, but it's, it's this glimpse of eternity. The tabernacle that we've seen are characteristics of God, both God in eternity and in heaven, but God in the flesh. 
so that his tabernacle can be with men, his dwelling can be with men, and he shall dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. It's going to be a beautiful day. It's going to be a glorious, glorious day. Matter of fact, it's going to be the last day because the sun will never set. It's going to be a glorious moment to see him. I hope this, I hope this series has been a blessing. If you need to go back, I mean, I think we captured most everything. There's probably a, a message here or there where I forgot to hit record. That goes around from time to time. People forget to hit record. Um, so if we didn't capture it one week, I apologize. I'd be happy, but the notes are probably there. The PowerPoint's probably there. You probably can work through it yourself. There's not, it's not super complicated. I would encourage you to go back if any of this didn't didn't resonate or you didn't make sense didn't make sense, uh, and I just encourage you to to do that. Let's pray, and then I have one other thing to share.